0: Welcome to the inner world of filmmaking. I'm your host, Tammy McGarrow. I'm an editor, podcaster, and still photographer. In this show, I will interview filmmakers in all facets of production and distribution. Today, we're talking about the role of the assistant editor with Kyle Boberg, who's worked on independent features like The Donor Party, Nuked, and Shelby Oaks. Welcome to the show, Kyle.
1: Glad to be here. Very excited.
0: So why don't, I always like to start with what is somebody's journey into becoming an editor and even if that was the road that they thought they were gonna be on. Um, how did you get started?
1: Well, I definitely didn't think I was gonna do this for like throughout school or and everything. Uh, the first time that I like even really found out an edit bay exists was when I started working uh, for Illinois Productions, which I went to the University of Illinois and it was their video department for their athletic department. So, uh, it was mostly student run. We definitely had like our supervisors were like full-time employees, but like the students would like go shoot and edit stuff. Um, and I was most excited for shooting cause that meant I got to be like on the sidelines of like football and basketball games. Uh, but yeah, once I started like making a highlight video on the Avid, I was like super sucked in like time flew by. Um, it was like something I really, really enjoyed. So I was like, "Oh, okay, this is what I want to do for like a career." Because originally I thought I wanted to be a a teacher, but uh, I was like, "No, I like this more."
0: <laughs> yeah, and what an opportunity to start on the avid.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've heard a lot of podcasts, and it's always kind of like I started at like some like a studio or production house. And they like, I'd like sneak in that night kind of thing to do it. But they just let me, yeah, they just let the students do what they wanted in a way, like as long as you were making something that was good, you could go in there um, as much as you wanted. So yeah, that was like a really cool learning experience.
0: Yeah, because I heard that it's very different from Premiere and the other programs. So it's kind of a a learning curve that's not so intuitive. Is that your experience well i guess this would be your only experience how did you feel like going from avid to premiere
1: um so it was weird so i worked for uh, university of illinois and that was avid and then i went to the university of houston and that was final cut which oh. was before i think it was seven before they like changed everything and that was really in- intuitive and i like that and then from there i went to premiere for a year working for the Texans. And then I went back to Avid, working three years for a new station. So I've kind of like done all of them, but yeah, I, I definitely agree with you that Premiere is the most like intuitive for sure. It just like, just kind of, you can like drag and drop stuff and cutting kind of was just easier. And I, I remember when I went from Premiere from the Texans to the new station, I was like, oh, I've used this before, but then I, I don't know, it's just such a different way of bringing things into the timeline. So. Yeah, I, I think it's a bigger learning curve, but um, interestingly enough, I've, I've gotten used to both, and I, I don't really have a like favorite over one or the other. They're just kind of different at this point. So
0: what brought you to L.A. and then becoming an assistant editor? What was your first gig, and how did you get here from Houston?
1: Like a lot of people like COVID kind of changed a lot of things. So I was a videographer, uh, and an editor for a school district and, uh, my girlfriend actually got like relocated for her job. And, uh, so I wanted to like follow her out there, basically made a plan for like a year of like, I need to save money. I need to network cause I only knew literally one person in LA other than her. And then also just make sure that I'm like, I know what I'm doing. And so I signed up for like master the workflow to kind of know how to do it. I joined a couple like online like classes. So like Sven Pape's uh, go-to editor course. And then uh, Zach Arnold's like optimize yourself. And the optimize yourself one was like super helpful in like teaching me how to like actually like network and like how the correct ways to kind of like reach out to people and contact people and like, kind of focus on like how I can break in and kind of developed a strategy of like how I could actually like do this. And so I had met my, uh, assistant Patrick who I've worked with on like three films. I had met him like six months in optimize yourself and I'd like seen his like credits and I like really liked his work and everything. Um, and so I just reached out to him because he was friends from St. Louis. And so he had like done the like leap himself. And so I was like, just asking for tips and everything. And we talked for like an hour and a half on zoom. And I just really, I like, kidded off just both being from the Midwest and I don't know, just kind of really gelled. And so, you know, several m- more months went by, just kept kind of doing my plan or whatever. And then three days before I was about to like leave, uh, he posted on the, the group chat on uh optimized saying he was looking for an assistant. And so I applied, he's like, Oh, awesome. I'll like give you my, the resume to my uh, producer. And then she called me the next day, got hired and like started two weeks later. So yeah, it was pretty crazy. It was like a 12 day shoot. So it was like a really, really like quick turnaround and everything was shot at night and I had to like set up my edit bay at my one friend's house to make the turnaround happen because they were trying to make a Sundance uh, deadline. And so, yeah, it was just like, everything has to be like really on point. So yeah, it's how I made it out here and I've done a good enough job to work with them for two more films and hopefully more.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's really great when you make connections because then they're going to think about you for the next film or two or three or four, which is awesome. Um, What is your gear setup? Uh, What kind of computer do you use?
1: Uh, so I actually have like a MacBook which I've been using. Um, and then I just got a, uh, trash fan from Patrick actually like a few months ago. And so I kind of got like two different computers set up. And so one thing that I've noticed for like Indies is I've actually had to be the one who like makes the proxies and transcode and everything. And so it's been nice to have like one computer being doing that while I'm on another computer, like working on some other jobs. Um, yeah, having having two computers is definitely like definitely helped.
0: And do you have a huge monitor or two or three? I,
1: I wish I have one pretty big monitor, and then I got two pretty small. They're like uh, I don't even know how to say it. like Skeptras. They're not the best like monitors, and then yeah, then I have my laptop. I would like to upgrade uh, for sure.
0: Um, so Script Sync, uh, can you just walk me through what you do there, and how that works?
1: Yeah. So it's a program on Avid and so you basically get a script from like the script supervisor and you kind of match it with the scenes that you have worked on. So you'll import like a, like a text file and you'll have like portions of the script that you have to kind of like break down. And then, uh, let's say you have your wide shot, your, you know, both cameras pointing for the like medium shots or whatever. And then you just kind of go through the script and you match like what, what they're saying. So that way, like once the editor is like working through stuff, and I think it's the most beneficial during like, say the director's cut when the director's kind of watching he's like, hey, I want to see this take from like this line, people that up real quick. And it allows you to just kind of very quickly find where it is in the script and pull up the the clips that you want.
0: Wow, that's pretty amazing. Um, did it take you a lot to a lot of time to learn that? You learned it on the job. Did you watch a course on it? How did you get into knowing how to do that?
1: Uh, Master of the workflow showed me kind of how to do it, uh, but it's it is really easy. Like you can learn it in about thirty minutes. It's just pretty tedious, um, especially like if there's if you're like on a comedy and there's like improv going, that can kind of be daunting because you have to kind of type in like the additions. And it kind of depends on your editor. I mean, if uh, Patrick's kind of like, as long as it's sort of within the range or whatever, you're good. Um, But I know some other editors like really want it to be like very meticulous and everything. So.
0: So why don't you walk us through the workflow of an assistant editor, and you can use uh, Shelby Oaks as your example. Like, what do you start with? Like, let's just pretend it's the beginning of the project. How do you organize your bins? Like, wh- what do you do when you start? And what are some of the steps? Anything that you could tell us just on uh, what an assistant editor does using that as the example?
1: Yeah. So you start off, I don't know, Shelby Oaks was, like, interesting because they had actually already shot stuff and it was already in the can. Um, but for most of the, like, uh, movies I've done is you want to kind of have sort of either a meeting or a talk with, like, certain people uh, you definitely wanna get on the same page with your editor before everything starts shooting of like how they want everything set up because it, it's, you're there for them. This isn't like your preferences of what you like. It's everything that they like and to make sure that you set it up exactly the way they want to. Um, and then you also wanna uh, most consistently in uh, communication with like the script supervisor um, and sometimes like the sound mixer because I wanna make sure I also am getting the sound but like the script supervisor is really the person who like is your kind of, like, eyes and ears on set and, like, really lets you know, like, how the shooting went and all that. And so once you, you know, have good contact with them, they'll start shooting and you start getting your dailies. And so for me, I would have to, they would send them, or I would have to go pick up the drive, bring that back, and then start transcoding them. And so kind of that takes a while. And then once that's transcoded, then you start bringing it into the, the Avid, and you start organizing it. And the way that I would do it is be like in frame view. So let's say like we're on scene one, I would set it up with like, all right, let's say like three takes for the wide shot, four takes for the medium, like A shot, three takes for the medium B shot. And you just kind of go in a line down um, and kind of once you set up all that, then that's when I do the script sync by going through each take over and over again. And like, once you're going through that, the way Patrick would want it is as soon as they say like action, you hit like a green marker. So he knows like that's where it starts and then kind of go through. And sometimes they'll like start over or something like the actor, actually like have a flub or whatever. And so they're like, oh, we'll stop. And then I would put, you'd put like a, a red marker to kind of signal like, oh, it's stopped. And then the green, when it goes and everything. And then if there was anything that I found like interesting or something that kind of Patrick should like pay attention to, then I would put like a white like marker for him. And then once all that's done, he would like me to put like what he called like a cam roll, which is just all the footage from like that one scene on like a timeline. And so he could probably just, you know, go through it pretty easily to find stuff. And so you just do that for like, however many shoot days you have. Mine have been about 18 usually. So mine have been pretty quick. And so once all that's done, you're kind of the first time that I worked with Patrick, that's all I was focused on was just setting things up and we're all like, just making sure everything is running smoothly and I'm making sure I'm in communication with like the script supervisor. If there's anything that like, doesn't make sense. Like, Hey, I'm missing this kind of clip that you said was listed or I have this, but you didn't list it. And just like, make sure that you're really just making sure that you're always getting stuff and staying on top of that. That's the only time you can like have them, like if they know that they missed something or something, something is wrong they can correct it while they're on set. I mean, if they're done shooting, that makes it way, way harder. And so editors just kind of setting up the scenes and cutting them as you're like sending them once shooting is done. Then you get to kind of like the uh, like editor's cut. Some people call it like assembly cut. It kind of depends on what your editor, who they wanted to call it. but um, And that's when they start asking you for like doing the sound effects work, maybe uh, doing some music. I know a lot of their editors do it like doing their own music. So, but Patrick will kind of ask me like, hey, get these kind of soundtracks from these movies. Usually that's how he likes to do it. And then that's kind of when you also maybe do your sort of like temp VFX work, um, to kind of prepare the cut to kind of show to the editor or to the director. And then you have a director's cut and then a the producer's cut and just kind of sort of just kind of constantly adjusting the cut. Um, a lot of times editors will be like, Hey, can you find like a shot of someone smiling or something or. Just cause something that like I, I know like the project well, so they know I can like go in and find something quick while they're continuing to work. Kind of do that and you're exporting cuts um, for producers or the director or whatever on like Framio is like what, what we used. Uh, and then once you get it locked, which means like, you know, done, then you start doing your turnovers and sending certain files to like each production house so they can kind of prepare for like color uh, sound effects, like music, you know, professional VFX, that sort of thing. Um, and yeah, just that's just kind of go back and forth until it's all done.
0: So, a uh, couple things. Um, let's talk about markers. I I love that you color coordinate coordinate the different types of markers can you just walk me through the different types like you said green for it's starting red for it stops and then white for hey this is a good one any other marker colors that you put in the timeline
1: um I think the only one with my other editor that worked with like Grant he, I th- he would use like a blue marker to kind of know like something that was like funny or interesting and in, like the comedies we like worked on it's, I, I feel like my, the marking is pretty bare bones compared to, like, some other things that I've just kind of seen, like shadowing people that I, d- I don't really remember that well. Like, I've seen some just being marked up like crazy. But, yeah, for Badger, it's pretty simple of just, yeah, green is the scene is starting, red is just done, and then white is something interesting.
0: Um. And then what about uh coloring the timeline? Do you, I... You had mentioned that you've colored for some and not for others. But when coloring, is there any kind of uh, thought process? Is it just a different color for each scene or other colors that you use?
1: If you are wanting to mark it off, it wouldn't be for like a scene, I don't think. Um, it would be more for this is your layer of like dialogue. And so I know like Donor Party, it was like a, a house party kind of thing movie and so there was like sometimes eight characters mic'd up um and that was it's like a good way to kind of just keep track of like all those mics because you're getting these like huge layers of audio and so yeah let's just say it's like eight layers and so that's like blue and then you can mark like what your sound effects layer is um that are mono and then other sound effects that are like um stereo and then same with like music and then you like mark music that's like a different color and then you go the opposite direction where like you got your video layers like one and two and then uh three can kind of be your like vfx layer four can kind of be like your titles layer uh that's how i would like i've seen done with like colors and everything um both my editors they haven't really done any of the color from like what i've seen they might be doing it i think what makes it interesting is like everything i've done is from home it's not like me and the editor are in the same office and we're kinda of using the same like thing. They might be doing stuff on their computer completely differently than what I'm like, kinda of sending them. But yeah, from like what I've done, uh I haven't really used any like coloring of the the layers or anything.
0: When you're doing sound design or just a temp of that, that must mean that you're getting back the edited footage to put that in. Is that correct?
1: Uh yeah. So like what will happen is my editors would be like, hey, I, I, yeah, basically I cut this scene and they'll send it back to me and then Ben, like email it to me. It's like that small with Avid, you just send bins back and forth and I'll get their cut and yeah, and they'll go and you kinda do like one pass to kinda get the sort of general like exteriors. Like, so you're outside and you got like wind, or like trees and you're in a forest kind of going like wind through the forest maybe some dogs barking in the background or something like that. Um, you're like ambient sound. And then you're kind of, you'll go through and do your real obvious kind of sounds. So like maybe a phone rings or a door shuts or that sort of deal. Um, and then you kind of just go through again and kind of be meticulous with um, the obvious ones. I think the most interesting, like fun one I had was uh, a scene in Shelby Oaks where I got to just layer a lot of different like (laughs) i pulled like what like some creepy sounds it was kind of like a a, like a magical like moment and so but i actually like pulled something that was like the sounds from like saturn from like youtube or something it was kind of gave like a wall it was like cool sounding and it like worked well and so like we yeah when i'm going through like making sound effects it's a lot of since these are temp i go through and i find them like on youtube and match what you're trying to like the environment that you're trying to make. And then like pond five is another one I use. And then Patrick and has his own sound effects library that he's kind of built that I look through and I have my own that I'm building. So yeah, just try to find it from anywhere.
0: So how do you organize your sound files so that you can get there quickly? Do you have like outdoor ambiance, indoor office, you know, like how, how do you label it so you can find it quickly?
1: Yeah. Um, I try to not make it too like narrow of a definition because then you'll just have like hundreds of like folders. Yeah. I try to, yeah. Like I'll do like outdoor, I'll do like impact. So like if a door or like something's being punched or yeah, like a, a, a someone's hitting a door, like the wall or something like that splashes. So they, you know, like blood or like water, or something like that. So I try to kind of keep it sort of general, generally broad, but yeah, it just kind of, label those bins in like a sound effects folder.
0: And then did you, what was the training to have to learn that? I mean, I would think that that would be uh, daunting and for somebody that maybe doesn't think like that.
1: Yeah, again, like master workflow kind of helped me. I mean, I... What's interesting is I actually did teach for five years after I wasn't, I said I wasn't interested in teaching. I taught video production. And so like I learned a lot from YouTube, honestly, of sound designers or whatever, kind of making their own YouTube uh, videos of actually showing you like how they do it. And uh, that was like a huge help for me. Um, So yeah, I mean, if it feels daunting, like YouTube really is a lot of it's, there's a lot on there, so it, like, makes it hard sometimes to find good stuff, but once you find, like, good channels, like, it's a really good, like, learning resource, in my opinion.
0: And I guess the more you do it, the faster you get at it, and you just, oh, yeah, I know what sound I need exactly. for this, you know, becomes intuitive, I bet.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're. it's not like your editor is just leaving you, like, out in the wind and, like won't help you or anything. If, you, if, if I have any questions, like Patrick will tell me like what he wants and how he likes to do it. Um, and other assistants too, like I definitely recommend just trying to meet as many as other assistants as you can because you're constantly learning um, from them. And I, It's funny, I actually would like to work in an office because I, I do sometimes feel I'm like kind of an island all by myself and it would be nice to work with other assistants and kind of learn from them
0: Yeah, I bet. So how is that? Do you have to get on Zoom? What, how, how do you communicate with your editor?
1: We'll do like meetings with maybe like the director or something on Zoom, but a lot of it is just kind of emailing like back and forth. Um, if it's like too, if it's like real crazy, then I'll just like do like a phone call or whatever. But yeah, it's a lot of just emailing like, Hey, I need this, this and this done. Can you get it? And just let me know if there's any problems or whatever.
0: Right. Yeah. So what kind of questions when you're starting a project do you ask your editor? Like you had mentioned that, you know, you got to get in sync with what do they want? Um, What are some good questions to ask before you start a project?
1: Yeah. So, like, I'll ask how they want their timeline organized. So we talked about, like, yeah, how do you want the timeline, like, colored? Do you want it colored at all? My editor on Donor Party, like, he didn't want to have, like, 12 layers of audio of mics He only wanted like eight or whatever so it's just kind of like work like making sure yeah just kept eight to dialogue sort of thing um yeah and then yeah how they want their markers done how they want them color coordinated and like what their bin preferences are like how do they want it in frame view i know like a lot of editors do but not all of them do you just want to make sure like how the bins are set up is correct since we are like working from home, I make sure that both my Avid version is the same as theirs. And also a lot of editors prefer, I think it's, um, I've been using the most recent, but uh, I think it's 18, like 2018 version uh, is what a lot of them still prefer. And so just, you want to be on the same page as like, we're working on the same version of Avid, because if you're trying to send bins back and forth, that you're going to get a lot of weird, things going on that will be really stressful to like work through. So yeah, just making sure like all your technology is kind of matching the same. And then yeah, how they want like the takes of each scene like kind of set up. I'm sure I'm missing a lot more, but yeah, that's kind of the gist, just making sure you're setting everything up for them correctly.
0: Right. And probably um how do they like to be communicated to
1: hey, oh, yeah, email to totally.
0: <laughs>
1: Yeah, like um yeah, just email me so you're not bothering them with, like, texts or whatever. Yeah, just make sure. And then for me, when I had to, like, drive all the drives around, like, what's the schedule? I think that's another one, a good one, too, with, like, working from home. Like, you could, in a way, you be available 24-7. So I like to be like, hey, when do you not want me to, like, contact you? You know, when are your, like, off hours sort of thing? And, like, do you start at 9? Do you start at 8? Like, when do you start? just making sure you're on the same page as on that as well.
0: Yeah, and then how do you monitor your time? Do you try to just align to whatever work schedule? I'm assuming that that's probably why you're saying that, is so that I can work when they're working. Um, But do you find yourself, because you work from home, that you're like, could work all night? Let me just get this done.
1: (laughs) It's an adjustment. I mean, it took me a while to... I'm still, it's like always like working on it because like my work is always changing. Um, I'm working on all sorts of different projects, uh, sometimes at the same time. So what I like to do is just kind of keep it consistent, like wake up at like six or seven. I like to like work out in the morning and then like eat and then start around nine or so. And then, yeah, like nine to six or whatever. I try to stay to that, um, you know, and like have a lunch and like move around every once in a while not just stay seated at my desk the whole time because my back will start hurting. I'm like 35 so I'm starting to <laughs> starting to feel that <laughs> stuff. Um, but of course, you know, sometimes I think when exports are asked to kind of go out, that's kind of when it kind of goes past that like five or six and so I'm making sure that all the, the timeline is completely correct and then just kind of babysitting Uh, an export, making sure it's getting out and then uploading it to like Framio and everything. So that's, for me, that's when like the hours can kind of get crazy. Um, But yeah, I just like to have a consistent schedule because if I start going all over the place, I just, I feel unorganized and that makes me anxious. So yeah, I like try to have a good, steady, consistent schedule.
0: Now, do you get an hourly rate, day rate, or weekly rate?
1: Uh, I've been getting a day rate.
0: Okay, and then how do you juggle multiple projects? Are you just staying one project per day, or do you kind of jump in and?
1: Um, so I've done. I'm like on like three different projects with one director for uh different documentaries. So that helps. That like I'm not. Uh, and and she's real flexible. If I'm like. Hey, I'm on this scripted feature right now, as long as I'm communicating whether like that's what I'm doing. I mean, it's been no problem because with the documentaries, they've been like very inconsistent. Like sometimes, oh, hey, we shot a few days in April and then we won't shoot anything until like June. And so can you set this up for like a day or two kind of thing? Uh but then the other two other projects are kind of the same way, so it's just constantly like going back and forth between all three of them. um and so, yeah, that is why I like to kind of keep it in that fenced in area of like I'm working from like about nine to six sort of thing. and as long as as much as I can get done with those and like knowing what the deadlines are, obviously, if I have to make uh, a certain deadline, I'll work up maybe a little bit more. Uh, hours to make sure that's done but as long as i keep a consistent schedule it's usually it has not been a problem
0: and then when you're doing a feature film do you have to put it in 20 minute increments or oh, do you just reels? Way- yeah yeah
1: um so usually yeah they like to do it in reels that is part of the process that i'm still like getting used to in regards to like turnovers some uh, you can kind of export it as a long play, which is like the entire thing. I do know that uh, reels kind of comes in when you're I think, when you're sharing like Avid's where like if you're sharing a project, the editor can't open. Like if you had the whole thing, he needs to get into that cut. So like they kind of made reel so you can kind of work on different uh, sections Sex- of the... Yeah, so like, oh, I'm doing my uh, sound work on like reel three. While he's like finishing a real four type of thing, this is my understanding of it.
0: Yeah, uh, and then if what if somebody wanted to jump into being an assistant editor, what skills do you think they need to do to, in order to apply?
1: Definitely know your like technology, know your way around a computer. A lot of times, I've been in my own IT on a lot of these. Project, that's a lot of it is just like you're just constantly troubleshooting like certain issues, which that's like the most stressful part because you have a schedule that you want to like stay on. And if you're spending a lot of time trying to figure out a technical issue, you're just getting farther and farther behind. So that gets kind of uh, scary.
0: Know the Avid? Do you think that, yeah, um...
1: yeah, yeah, like know your programs for sure? And it's like it is like harder and harder to like, oh, I just know Avid. Kind of thing it's it feels like knowing all the ones i know have become really useful to like get certain jobs most of the stuff i've worked on like the documentaries have been on premiere and then the scripted stuff has been on avid uh i know my uh, like patrick he prefers premiere and would actually like like to do a feature on premiere just haven't done it yet um but yeah definitely know that stuff and like just kind of have a knowledge of like movies and TV shows and like kind of how they're made. I think you just don't want to focus on this little niche of like, I know these few things as an assistant. Like I think it helps that like I had all my sort of documentary experience like helps me like if I need to, my editors after like working with them for a while have started letting me cut scenes and stuff. And so like that helps like my, like knowing how to edit has been really useful to them because I can set up a scene for them that they can go in and be like, all right, this is like a solid base to start from and then, you know, make their own, like, personal adjustments and everything. And then, yeah, like, learn all the other different uh, facets of filmmaking. I think it really does help you become, like, a better assistant. Because you, you can help in ways that you just, like, won't imagine.
0: Uh, how do you get on the roster?
1: Oh, that's fun. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, so like my ultimate goal is to be like an editor and I think that's like most people, right? So you have the editor's guild and so there's two ways that you can kind of qualify to become like an editor in the editor's guild. You can either work 175 days as an editor and, uh, you have to kind of prove that with like your, uh, pay stubs of like how you're getting paid and like your checks and everything. And they have to say like, I worked as an editor kind of thing and then you submit all that and they review it and they're very like picky on everything i actually had to like re send stuff in a few times and it takes them like 30 to 60 days each time so it can be like really frustrating um but or the other path that i from research that i did was you can work a 100 days as an assistant and join the editors guild and then once you're in the editor guild, you can be hired on like a union show to like edit if, you know, technically that's kind of the path that I took. Now you can kind of sort of get traps in the assistant editor role, like stuck and like people find it hard to make that leap up to editor.
0: Uh, and then what projects are you working on now? If you want to share anything?
1: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you mentioned like Shelby Oaks. That's. I'm kind of on that, I kind of just like check in with Patrick, like, hey, anything need done? I did like pull the effects for him uh, like a few weeks ago, but that's just kind of they're The production houses are sort of doing their thing now. Also, uh, another like indie comedy, uh, Nuked. That's like a, kind of out in the middle of nowhere, sort of kind of house party is, uh, thing again. Um, and then I'm on three documentary projects. One is kind of sort of I remember like watching a a segment on a couple that was like when she was 50, she was like, oh, I've like realized I was gay. And I remember my grandma being like, oh, that's like not natural. It's like people say that about like being gay or trans or whatever. And so this the one of the things that I'm on is kind of flipping that on its head of being like going into nature. And kind of showing uh examples of like gay and trans sort of animal behavior so that's one of the projects another is a uh this place called let's get a shop called gifted and it's made up of domestic abuse survivors and they all like work in the they make like soaps and like lotions um so those sort of like boutique items and kind of just Showing how they're like very, very close, like knit, like basically community within this place that they work and sort of kind of showing a day in the life of them trying to prepare for like Christmas um and trying to like reach numbers and everything like that. So, yeah, just a lot of everything. i done so sizzle reels, uh, I'll do kind of anything <laughs> to just keep it going.
0: Oh that's great cuz there's got to be an art to that sizzle reel. It's a, it's very different I think than just editing.
1: Yeah, no scripted... it, it definitely is for sure. Um again, I kind of did some research. I I reached out to people and like asked, you know, how you cut one uh and then YouTube again kind of there's a really good channel that kind of teaches you how to do like a um a trailer and everything. Uh, that's kind of what I base it on but like one project the editor and I worked together closely and so she would did the paper edit and I would like put together what she had done and kind of put me in my own music and own own shots and then she would take it and kinda of do her own edit and then send it back to me. So yeah, it was like a really collaborative thing. And the others I've done the whole thing like working with the director and she'll give me notes and the producer will give me notes. So it's yeah all been kind of different.
0: So, um, just on that, on doing a sizzle reel, uh, like of a film, um, are you given the whole film to try to grab pieces or are you given just like, um, here's what we want you to use for this film? Or do you have to go find what you're going to put together?
1: Um, I'll just speak to the documentary sizzles. That's really what I've only done. Um the director really like knows she basically creates like a paper edit of like what she mm-hmm. wants. And so once I see the paper edit of what she's written down, I go in and like lay it out how she wants. Um And then we'll kind of, again, add my own like B roll and like maybe some sound effects and music. And then I send that to her and then she kind of sees from like the paper edit, like, Oh, okay, this works. I like this. I don't really like this. Let's like make this adjustment kind of thing or ask what I think like the adjustment can be kind of depends.
0: Oh, I like that. That's good because I was always kind of curious how those get made. So
1: yeah, yeah. uh, Everything's like always just very collaborative. You're never just like working on something by yourself. It's really like a huge like team effort.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That is so awesome. Um, are there any last thoughts that you'd like to share or advice, anything you want to leave the listeners with?
1: Um, I think one uh, editor who's been in the business for like 30 years or something just kind of told me like never give up. Like the people who do stick around are the ones who eventually kind of are able to rise to like where they want to work. So you're like working on bigger stuff. And it is like really hard. I mean, I've been like through, I've always had like full-time jobs and it is like a huge adjustment to just like, oh, I don't have any work and I don't really have any uh, things coming ahead. Like I need to find my next job and that can be like really scary just not having any like money coming in. I think if you just kind of make sure that you prepare yourself and honestly have uh, like a very supporting like partner or maybe if you're like in college or something like parents, someone who can like support you because you're not going to be making that much money. That's just kind of like at the very beginning, it's kind of the reality of it. And I would say, try to focus on what it like really figure out exactly what you want to do because, and then like work towards that. Because if you're kind of all over the place and saying yes to, I don't know, it goes back and forth, but if you just kind of just say yes to everything and you don't know exactly what it is you want to do you can kind of find yourself like five years in being like i don't really like anything that i'm working on and i don't know anyone who is working on stuff that i like and then you kind of have to like do all the work to like work move towards that so if you as soon as you can kind of really try to figure out what you want to do i think that will help and yeah just don't give up
0: i love it well thank you so much kyle for your time and your expertise
1: awesome yeah thank you Hope i can help
0: Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to get out there and make a film. Reach out to your local filmmakers group to get involved and connect. Please subscribe to the show if you like it. And follow me on Instagram at Tammy McGarrow Until we meet again, what's your story? Come on.